America is lurching toward a second civil war. Learn the only way this catastrophe could be avoided next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. Is America headed for another civil war? Now, we can look at television and see that more and more commentators and leaders are saying, well, it looks like that is, is the way we're headed, and that's what's going to happen if we don't do something to turn it around. So, most anybody can see that our political system is uh, ripping us apart. Most people, when they think about this, and I suppose all of us just naturally would want to avoid the subject, because it is a dangerous subject, a serious subject, and uh, never are we going to be able to solve the problem if we take that attitude or that approach to it. We're just not going to do it, but uh, there is a way to avoid civil war, and there's only one way. If we look back in history, on April 12, 1861, heavy mortar was fired upon the Union's Fort Sumter, and that act began the Civil War. Now, a few months later, this was August 12, 1861, President Lincoln had a very urgent message. He declared a Thanksgiving Day, and when you look back at that Thanksgiving, it's uh, not the way that Americans keep Thanksgiving today. We just have to realize that, and that's where the real problem lies. There's a huge difference between what we do today and what was done then. Let me give you a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Many people say he's the greatest president we've ever had, and here's what he had to say, Therefore I, President of the United States, do appoint the last Thursday in September next as a day of humiliation, prayer, and fasting for all the people in all humility, in all humility, and with all religious solemnity, to the end that the united prayer of the nation may ascend to the throne of grace and bring down plentiful blessings upon our country. In testimony whereof I have hereunto set my hand, and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed this twelfth day of August, A.D. 1861." Now, Herbert Armstrong came along later and talked about how far from God has our nation gone since that proclamation was signed in 1861 by Abraham Lincoln. How far from God has this nation gone? Can we look at our history and our own president at that time and realize what is happening in America today? Well, imagine this. Abraham Lincoln didn't uh, begin to spew out a lot of military bravado. He didn't do that at all. He had a vastly different message in the, the declaring of thanksgiving, and he wanted to save the Union, and it came very close to being totally divided forever. But Lincoln knew that in all humility, quote-unquote, 
before God, the people of America really bring the union together unless we were in all humility. All of the people had to be humble enough to let God teach them a lesson. And some of the human beings, some of the leaders that would have a lot of good information to give them. Many people think that he was our greatest president, and he made that proclamation. And in another message later on, he said, We're in this civil war because we have forsaken God. Now, these, this is, these were the words of a president of the United States of America. We're in a civil war because we have forsaken God. Can you imagine a president or a political leader today making that statement? We're in all this deep and dangerous division because we have forsaken God. Is that the way it is today? Well, it's a lot worse today in some ways. We just haven't started the shooting yet, but some of the statements being made are worse than those made in 1861. Where is this all leading? In that same proclamation, here's what Lincoln concluded, And I do farther recommend to my fellow citizens aforesaid that on that occasion they do reverently humble, humble themselves in the dust. We were told that biblically that dust you are, and to dust you shall return. That's what he's talking about. Let's get down to, hey, we're just, we're just dust. And we ought to be humble. God created us from dust, from dirt. And notice what he says, Do reverently humble themselves in the dust, and from thence offer up penitent and fervent prayers and supplications to the great disposer of events for a turn of the inestimable blessings of peace, union, and harmony throughout the land which it has pleased Him to assign, Him God, to assign as a dwelling place for ourselves and for posterity through all generations. In testimony whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed, it was signed Abraham Lincoln. Now, this was a day of thanksgiving proclamation like nothing we've ever heard in the history of America. And he said we ought to be approaching this because we're right in the midst of a civil war, and we ought to be in all humility. Now, he didn't reach the people with that message right away. They had to suffer and suffer and fill America with all kinds of blood-soaked land. But they finally did gain more humility. and. This president was actually calling upon the people in America to repent and be humble and, and let God lead us. That's what he was saying. But uh, how can America avoid a civil war? Well, I'll tell you, I want to talk to you about the ultimate humility, and I'll show you what Christ's ultimate humility was. And it's something we really ought to uh, discern if we're going to make a change and a turnaround in the way we're living. But Jesus Christ set the example, He says in 1 Peter 2. He set an example for us. And uh, if He had failed in that example, 
then you and I would have no hope, no future, no salvation. And I want you to look at His example of humility. Philippians 2 and verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Now that's, that's humility. Lowliness of mind, and esteem other, other better, others than better than yourselves. Verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The same mind, the very mind that Jesus Christ had. How, how different was His mindset? Here, this was a, a man, that, uh, or He became a man on this earth, but He was God and came down to this earth. And I want you to notice what He did that is the ultimate in humility. And how did it differ from the way of men? Verse 6, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he was God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, made himself of no reputation. Verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. He became obedient unto death. He humbled Himself unto death. Now that's the ultimate in humility. That is it. That's our example. And only we won't come close to doing what He did. But there is something He requests of us that is similar to this and very meaningful about, uh, about His example. So here he, he, he purchased us with His blood, and humbled Himself unto death. Now what do you think about that as an act of unbelievable service to mankind, to make salvation possible. And then the Father, God the Father, goes on to say in verse 9, exalted Him and gave Him a name which is above every name. He, he exalts people who humble themselves. And that's good to understand. Notice Isaiah 52 and verse 14, His appearance was marred beyond human semblance. Now here is what He went through, this Revised Standard Version. And he didn't even look like a human being after he was beaten savagely and crucified. Now, he did all that for us, and he had to do it perfectly to provide salvation, the opportunity for, of salvation to all of us, give all of us that potential. Isaiah 53 and verse 3 says this. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we esteemed Him not." Well, he's talking about all mankind. What We're all guilty of sin and transgressions. That's what he's saying. Verses 4 and 5, Surely He has borne our griefs, 
and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. He humbled Himself unto death." Now that is something to think about. He paid the penalty for our physical and spiritual sins. And it says here, by His stripes we are healed. He wants to heal us of all kinds of afflictions and diseases. But we're going to have to learn a lesson before that happens like it should. And how much of that do you see today? Well, I'd say that's almost nil. But look at the blessings we could be receiving. Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, all of us. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Eternal has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to slaughter. And then verse 8, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? Now that's the big question. Okay, if we know about that, who is going to declare his generation? Now, you see, he humbled himself unto death, but now he's saying, okay, I want you to humble yourself, not be ashamed of me. I want you to declare his generation. That were, those are the words in Isaiah. We are here to humble ourselves and declare his generation if we give the ultimate humility that He wants from us, as He gave, which was much more. But we have to have the same spirit, the same attitude. Now, His generation was, uh, and, and what He did for us, God says, Now I want you to declare that. I want you to declare that, that savage beating, him, that brutal beating He had to endure, and by those stripes we're healed. He heals us. How many people really believe that? But also He gave His blood to pay for our spiritual sins. He humbled Himself unto death. And now He wants us to not be ashamed of Him and humble ourselves into totally giving this to declaring His generation and what He did for us. It's everything if we want a future beyond this world. We're going to have to learn that lesson. Are we willing, you and I, to declare His generation and be thrilled and, and absolutely ecstatic that God would give us that honor? Notice Isaiah 66 and verse 1. Here's more on how to do it. Thus says the Eternal, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? Well, now that's a great question. Where is, where is God going to reside? Remember, it, there isn't a physical temple today as there was anciently. There's a, a spiritual temple, which is the Holy Spirit within us, if we repent and receive that Holy Spirit. And he says, Now, where am I going to reside? He, if we're going to declare his generation, he's going to have to reside in us. 
we're going to have to have His mind in us, as it said, and I read it before, Philippians 2 and verse 5. Notice the next verse, 2, For all those things has mine hand made, and all those things have been, says the Eternal. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembles at my word. The word contrite means broken and smashed. Is that humility? The word uh, poor means meek. Meek and just smashed, and then tremble before God's Word in humility. All that humility. God says, This is the man I'm going to look to, the man that is broken and smashed and has gotten rid of his, pushed his vanity aside and conquered a lot of it. And look what Christ says, If you will do that, I will look to this man. And you can overcome any problem or solve any problem that you have with an individual or with a, a city or a state or a nation or a world. Christ said in, in Philippians 2 that everybody's going to bow their knee to Him, even if He has to break them before this is all over, to at least submit to their Creator momentarily. God is giving us every opportunity. And look what Christ did for us. Look at that act of love that God the Father and Jesus Christ gave to us. What an honor to be able to let Him reside in us. So I think that Isaiah 66 and verse 2 is one of the greatest scriptures in all the Bible. But will we declare His generation? Do you and I have the strength, do we have the humility to humble ourselves and let God live in us and declare His generation? Declare what happened there. It's for all humanity, every single human being on this earth. How could we not declare that generation? That's certainly the direction that Abraham Lincoln was going when he uh, made that Thanksgiving proclamation. Matthew 11 and verse 23, it says this, Here's the way it is with most elites today. Well, most of our leaders, I, I certainly there's a lot of this. And you, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven. Exalted unto heaven! <laughs> this is a wealthy resort area. And the people were exalted unto heaven, Christ was telling them, shall be brought down to Hades, the grave, for if the mighty works which have been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. That goes all the way back to the first book of the Bible in Genesis where it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. But he says, Look, if, if, if the works that had been declared before you had been declared to Sodom, they would still live today. But they were wiped out by fire from heaven because of their evil, because of their sins. So God is very blunt here, verse 24, But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. They knew this was a man that had come from God, and still they rebelled. And it's just an example that we've all given toward God. We have not 
We're all guilty of this. That's what he, he means. It's not just to the Jews. He's, this is to everybody but the elites. Where do you see the elites? How many politicians do you see that are like this? That they, they are exalted unto heaven. They're not humble and teachable before God. They're exalted to high heaven, and God says, I'm going to bring those people down to Hades. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. He wants us to see what He's offering us and what He's giving us. He's giving us everything, every reward that you could imagine in eternal glory. And if we come out and obey and declare His generation today, He's going to let us sit on David's throne with Him for all eternity. That is, Christ is, and the Father gave Christ that throne. You can read that in Luke 1, verses 30 through 33. But He says here in verse 25, let me just read that, it's babes that God wants us to be, or children, little children. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank You, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because You have hid these things from the wise and prudent, and have revealed them unto babes. He does reveal these things to babes, to those who are teachable. All the elites usually lead the people. He said, don't Follow those people. They're exalting themselves to high heaven, right up against God. They put God down, and they're going to pay a price, he says. The elites of this world, you cannot look to them. This world does not even know who and what God is, I'm telling you. We prove that in our book on the mystery of the ages. But God's truth has to be revealed. Matthew 18 in verse 1 says, At the time came the disciples, Jesus, saying, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you be converted, and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You won't be there. Verse 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that amazing? Strong words, and how, how we need to understand them. See, I want to give you one example here in conclusion, but just remind you also that Christ told us that a nation divided against itself cannot stand. I want to read to you something that Herbert Armstrong wrote when he was humbling himself before God. He says, I was never converted until I was brought to the place where I realized my own nothingness and God's all-encompassing greatness until I felt completely whipped, defeated, when I came to consider myself as a worthless, burned-out hunk of human junk, not even worth throwing on the junk pile of human derelicts, truly remorseful for having imagined I was a somebody, and a very exalted somebody. He admitted that and had to repent of it. I told God that I was now ready to give myself and my life over to Him. He continued, It was worthless now to me. Then he, a little further down he says, But let me say to the reader, if God could take that completely defeated, worthless, self-confessed failure to which I had been reduced, and use that life to develop and build what He has done, He can take your life too and use it in a manner you simply cannot now dream. Not only in the future, but now as well. 
You can't even imagine what God will do to, for your life and how wonderful it will be. Mr. Armstrong ended up having $200 million at his peak sent in to his work reaching around the world. He had television stations, 8 million, subscription to the Plain Truth magazine. Look at all the blessings that he was given. If we humble ourselves and turn ourselves over to God, we will receive blessings we can't even dream of. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. America is lurching toward a second civil war. Learn the only way this catastrophe could be avoided. The only way to avoid destruction, nationally or individually, is by humbly turning to God. Request Gerald Flurry's free booklet, How to Be an Overcomer, for a field manual to help you through the fight of life. Conquering sin is impossible without a high degree of humility. Once you realize your worthlessness apart from God, you will start to be blessed beyond belief. Study this powerful booklet to learn why it's so important to put away all sin, the meaning of true repentance, how to avoid self-deception, the dangers of self-righteousness, and specific strategies for winning your spiritual war. Discover how some of the greatest heroes in history broke through all obstacles and won miraculous victories. You can do the same. You'll also receive a free subscription to the Philadelphia Trumpet News Magazine. Join hundreds of thousands of readers who receive God's perspective on history, current events, and the future right in their mailboxes. Analysis by the Trumpet staff is unique because it relies on the surest foundation, the Holy Bible. Learn how to examine your world through the only proper prism. The latest issue of The Trumpet features a piece about the second civil war now brewing in America. You'll also learn the truth about Germany's leadership void, Brexit, climate change, Iran, junk food, and more. Ask for a free subscription to The Trumpet News Magazine. Ten issues per year, power-packed with enlightening content relevant to all mankind, whether they realize it or not. All our materials are available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request How to Be an Overcomer and a subscription to the Philadelphia Trumpet. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. All our materials are available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request How to Be an Overcomer and a subscription to the Philadelphia Trumpet. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. The preceding program was a paid presentation of the Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.